Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 139. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison, and thank you so much for tuning in today. I know it's been a minute. Uh, I was pretty much traveling for the entire month of April, and I want to apologize because originally I was supposed to do one more episode before I left in which I was going to explain that I was going to be away for a little while, but then that interview ended up getting postponed, so we didn't get a chance to do another episode. But here we are today, and that's all that matters, and there is lots to share with you today. I was away for 26 days in April, and we were traveling the southwest of uh, America. So we did four states, California, Arizona, Nevada, and Utah. I went with, uh, well, when we left, she was my girlfriend. And when we came back, she was my fiance. So yeah, I got engaged along the way on this trip. I'll tell you a little bit more in a second. We basically went on a 26-day road trip. We did four states. Uh, we stayed in 16 different places. We did about 5,600 kilometers, which was 3,500 uh, miles. So we flew out to San Francisco, drove Highway 1 down to LA, stayed a night in Monterey, we went through Big Sur, stayed a couple nights in Los Angeles. Then we made our way over to Joshua Tree, where we celebrated Amanda's birthday, and that's also where we got engaged. And then we went to Coachella for three days, which was amazing and exhausting all at once. So then we spent an extra day in Palm Springs to relax, and then we drove out to the Grand Canyon, and from the Grand Canyon we went to Monument Valley, and then back over to Lake Powell. And then from Lake Powell, we went north up to Bryce Canyon and then back to Zion. And then we spent two nights in Vegas. And then we made a stop in Death Valley on our way up to Yosemite, which was our last stop. So yeah, we did. We crammed a lot into 26 days. It's a trip that I've been wanting to do for years. And it was absolutely perfect. And we saw so much. We did some incredible hiking and hit up some beaches and ate lots of good food. And it was just it was just perfect. And of course, the most perfect thing is I came back with a beautiful fiance. But I'm sure you're not listening to the podcast today to hear about my life. So let's move on to today's episode. And of course, we've got a killer episode for you today. One of my favorite new artists uh, of the last few years. We've had him on once before. I'm talking about Grandson. And Grandson and I have a cool connection because we actually went to the same high school. He's a few years younger than me. So he was starting in grade nine when I was actually starting my first year of university. But yeah, we pretty much grew up in the same neighborhood. And the last time we had Grandson on was three years ago, uh, and I didn't realize that was actually his last show here, of course, due to the pandemic and the segue and advancements he's been able to make in his career in that time is just incredible. The last time we met was at the Opera House in Toronto, which is a you know a club venue, and this time he was opening for Avril Lavigne at the Coca-Cola Coliseum. He just came off tour as well with Imagine Dragons, and he's also worked with some of the most incredibly talented artists on the planet, uh, which we're going to talk about in this interview. He released his first full album, Death of an Optimist, uh, which is an amazing album, and he's just killing it right now. And the success couldn't be going to a more deserving person who works hard. He's a go-getter, and he's incredibly humble and grounded and level-headed. And the guy's just got his whole career ahead of him. I I couldn't be happier for him. So thank you again, grandson, for taking the time to do this podcast again. And like he mentioned to me, too, I hope it's not uh, another three years before we get a chance to do a third episode together. 
And because Grandson's put out some really solid music in the last three years, we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend segment again. And that's where I throw out five song recommendations for you to check out before or after the interview if you are new to the artist or uh, if you just want to compare favorites. I'm a total list type of guy, so I love this kind of thing. <laughs> so starting with that debut LP, Death of an Optimist, I'm going to recommend the single Dirty because it is now my favorite grandson song and is wicked. And then I'm also going to recommend his latest single, which is a song called Cult that features Steve Aoki and uh, a rapper named Josiah. And then another one I'm going to throw out there is a killer track called Zen, uh, which is a song he did with ex-ambassadors and K-Flay, which was such a sick song in 2020. And then I'm going to recommend the song Hold the Line, uh, which is a song he put out with legendary Rage Against the Machine guitarist Tom Morello. And lastly, I'm actually going to double up on a song I recommended last time. It's from Grandson's debut EP called A Modern Tragedy Volume 1. There ended up being three volumes. The song is called Blood Water, and the reason I'm recommending it again is because it was really, I think, a definitive song for Grandson that put him on the map. So check those out, and, and definitely check out Grandson live if you see him coming to your town, because he's definitely developed this awesome stage persona and his shows have such amazing energy he is absolutely an artist to see in 2022 and he's just continuously making waves right now and so if you're a grandson fan that is tuning into the adamantium podcast for the very first time today first of all thank you so much for tuning in of course we'd love to have you back again sometime for plenty of other artists that i'm sure you enjoy as well you can go back in our archive our first episode with grandson was incredible where he tells the story of his career so if you do enjoy today's episode, please do hit that subscribe button on whichever podcast network you choose to get your podcast, and we'd love for you to tune in again. You can also follow the Adamantium podcast on social media. We're on Instagram at the Adamantium, on Facebook at the Adamantium podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. All right, and that's all I have to say for now. So let's get to today's episode with Grandson, which was recorded outside the Coca-Cola Coliseum before his show with Avril Lavigne. This is episode 139. I hope you enjoy it, and we will see you for the next episode very soon. Here with Grandson, again. So round round two, we're wow. outside... Uh, Coca-Cola Coliseum. <sighs> the so, CN Tower shimmers in the background of our conversation. Trees rustle with new life as they do every May here in Toronto. The sky is blue. The sun is out today. A bus just went past. <laughs> There's an ambulance ominously parked on the side. What's his vibe? I actually, can't tell you. Actually, you missed that whole vibe. There was someone who got put in a police car. Whoa. Yeah. The, All in this 20 minutes. Yeah, yeah. The ambulance was needed because he wasn't able to walk to the police car. So We didn't capture any of that for the podcast. No, we didn't. I thought we'd leave that out. but Turn this into a true have. crime. There you go, actually. Situation. <laughs> I do love some true vibe. crime. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be a whole new vibe. It's going to be a we whole new direction for the podcast. We investigate. I mean, do you have like two hours that we can go question? It could be like or... a music true crime where you like frame your favorite you... artists. Okay. For murder, okay, and mid podcast, the top show. Are you show willing up. to be the uh, the pilot? Well, let's episode? make it happen. <laughs> it was me, Your <laughs> Honor. I didn't do it. Who's Adam? There you go, man. But yeah, so I mean, 
Cold Coliseum, much bigger venue than we met last time. That's right. We were met at the Opera House. I don't even remember. We actually couldn't even get into the Opera House. We got there early and we had to find a way in. Wow. And then, yeah. And isn't that true of life? Yeah. Here we are true. still we are. finding our way that's in. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know if you remember, we went to the same high school. Yes, we Northern went to Northern. Secondary, yeah. And so, shout out to Northern again. Shout out to Dale. Yeah, to Dale Once again. Dale Callender. I don't think he's still there. I don't, I think I don't he... know what happened to Dale. I got to check back in with him for a while. I was uh, in contact with him. It's been a minute. Yeah. I didn't actually date. You know the way, like, because Northern was so big, we had, like, assigned guidance counselors. Right. So I actually didn't have Dale. That's a But everyone knew Dale. Right. But I didn't have Dale. I had Miss Walsh, who was also a lovely... Right lovely lady for those of you listening who didn't already listen to the first time i talked about this three years ago at our high school we had these guidance counselors they were less about guidance on what you were going to do after college and stuff and it was more of this holistic you know just pseudo guidance therapist yeah they were like therapists and it was uh tremendously helpful for me at a very um a very lost time in my development so i always have a tremendous amount of gratitude and debt for um for that high school for prioritizing that and it also set me on a path of Mm. um, mental health and 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 seeking out and valuing talk therapy and i've made a couple of donations to that program over the years to show and just you know my my appreciation pay it forward a bit Dale, I'm sure, helped with you, too, because, like, Dale was very much all about pursuing your passions mm-hmm. and that kind of guidance. Yeah, it was very helpful for me that both uh, my father, my mother, my... There were, there were several important authority figures in my life that encouraged me to pursue unconventional paths, whether it was music or whatever it was, um my family instilled in me an an understanding that you know when you're 17 18 years old you feel a great deal of stress to to know what you're going to do with your life but you've got nothing but time and that's actually the perfect time to like kind of experiment and get a little weird with it you know I, I think when I first moved to Los Angeles and started pursuing music which was under a different you know moniker and didn't didn't pan out the way that I had hoped but I I just knew that even if I put four or five years into this thing and ultimately came out the other side wanting something else for my life that I would there would be time for that too and I think a lot of people get a lot of pressure or stress to feel like they're expected to be a a finished product when they're 19 20 years old and they commit particularly down south in America where the financial burden of university and college can can be a lifelong debt that you're struggling with. Like people have student debt for decades mm-hmm. to come, and you don't even know yet what you want. So I'm I always appreciate the way that Dale, my old guidance counselor, helped me out, as well as you know the people around me. And that's why I think a lot of the work that I do is for those people who weren't so lucky to have those sorts of uh, those sorts of mentors in their life. If you don't have anyone else reminding you, I'll be here to remind you. There you go. Like it. You mentioned like the unconventional being kind of a, a theme, and, and, and I mean that kind of showcases in your music too. You know, it's not necessarily uh, you're not. And I, I wanted to bring this up later with someone you worked with, but you're not like necessarily genre defined. You know, like you have elements of I think all the types of music that you've been kind of inspired by over the years. 
that's that's kind of represented in your songs. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I seek to uh, paint as full a picture as I can of mm. the places that I've come from and the music I'm influenced by. I, you know, I, I, and to be blunt with you, I wasn't really a big scene kid. I wasn't really big on pop punk or emo when that stuff first started happening. And that's why you don't hear much of it in my music. Mm. It's not... Um, I, I try to keep it real. I'm not chasing the, like, popular trends in rock and roll uh, or hip-hop, for that matter, mm-hmm. or electronic music. I'm just trying to... Uh, blaze my trail and, and accurately trace my steps through the, what made me a fan of music in the first place. And I think it may, you know, it, it gives you a differentiability too, which I think a lot of artists, and it's been, it's kind of been obvious in the last three years, artists that have wanted to work with you mm. um, and kind of have your unique taste, I guess. Yeah, that's Makes a nice sense. thought. Yeah. That's nice. You know, when we, I think in our first interview, I think I asked you, I said, oh, how cool is it that you got to, like, work with Mike Shinoda right. in Lincoln Park? And, like, since then, you've worked with Steve Aoki, you've worked with Kayflay, you've worked with ex-ambassadors, with, uh, actually, the one I wanted to specifically ask about was Tom Morello, mm. because Tom Morello is the same kind of guy who was never really, def- he was more defined by his craft than by his genre. Right. And yeah, Tom and Mike and all the people that you just mentioned are uh, extremely uh, curious and diverse in the places they pull reference from for their work. And uh, yeah, it is super validating mm-hmm. to to have people like that with a curative ear who are genre bending and and uh, and expectation. Uh, you know, transcending. There's this really cool photo on your Instagram from that song you did, Hold the Line with Tom Morello, where you guys are in this like tiny room. I think it was used for the video. That's right. There's like this wicked photo. You're in this tiny room. There's like beads of sweat coming down Tom Morello's (laughs) face. You are just like on the ground, exhausted. (laughs) Tell me a little bit about that day or like, you know, that photo. So that photo is actually at Tom's house. Okay. So Tom has a, a studio home um, that this is all, as far as I'm aware, public knowledge. I don't think I'll get in trouble for saying it. But yeah, he has a, a, this home where he has a recording studio in one room and then a live room. And then upstairs is where his mother lives. Okay. So Tom has this 90-something-year-old saint of a woman who... Um, kind of what was uh, an educator, a counterculture figure herself in her day. And her son happens to be a guitar icon Tom Morello. And to this day, Tom jokes that he's still practicing in his mom's basement. Yeah, you know? amazing. So I went over there, uh, which is where I wrote the song initially. Okay. Um, it was still during COVID and he was a little reticent. His team was a little like unsure about doing uh, in-person big video shoot stuff. Right. So we agreed to do something more intimate at his house, shoot some content, uh, make a music video, some stuff for TikTok. And it was a really fun day. It was just uh, the two of us and... and Shouts out Bryson Roach, uh, creative uh, consultant, uh, expert himself. He came with us and, and filmed that day. 
and uh, David Raymond on the drums, who is also uh, playing with us tonight. Is that your drummer? Yes, that cool. is. Yeah. He, on very last minute, you know, learned the song. Wasn't even out yet. <laughs> Sent it to him. Dude, you have about half an hour. Meet me at Tom Morello's house. And so he shows up ready to rock. It's and, pretty cool uh, text to receive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so he dropped everything and ran over. And we had about an hour with Tom. I forget why, but we were like super hamstring for time. Yeah. So it was like, okay, let's just set up some lights and bang this thing out and we had no time even like we would finish a take and then just do another one yeah and it was tom's first live per- all of this music he'd been making during the pandemic yeah. was at his own like le- albums, leisurely yeah. pace you yeah. know so he's just kind of tracking stuff with an engineer sitting down in his comfortable los angeles home and then all of a sudden i show up and we have to do these one take jamming of the song heavy energy yeah. high intensity and uh, and it was so cool we would finish and I'd be kind of out of breath and I'd just look over and there's Tom Morello this guy I've looked up to and been influenced by since I was 13 years old just yeah. pads, sweating in the corner and I'm pushing him to keep going harder he's chugging water off stage and uh, so that was really fun yeah we banged those out got a couple photos and stuff and then I didn't see him again until we did something quite similar for the Jimmy Fallon performance. Right. We did like a Tonight Show yeah. thing together where we did a similar thing. And again, you're just watching this guy who's in his mid-50s now and has no business rocking as hard as he still does. But he loves it. You know, yeah. he's jumping up and down and he's doing the whammy solo. And yeah. you're like, fuck, this is just... This is what rock and roll dreams are made of. That's exactly what it is. So I want to I want to talk about the album, but before I do that, I want to talk about one other project you worked on in the last year or so, and that was you did music for the the Suicide Squad movie, yep. which is really cool. And I saw this interview where like James Gunn was calling you like one of his favorite artists. That's now, so. Cool. Which I like. How insane yeah. is, are you? Like what? Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was actually how I even got involved in the first place. Was was James just giving me like some love out of nowhere I was on my it was a a funny story I was just on my phone one day as I was the whole pandemic just scrolling around looking for something Um, and I saw that I had been mentioned by James Gunn and he had with no um, like like he just from his own volition his own Impulse just tweeted out a link to Zen, yeah. uh, the song I did with X Ambassadors and Caveway. Thank yeah. you. And he posted that song and was like, Man, I, I love this and I love Grandson, love X Ambassadors, love Caveway. Wow, great. And so I just took it upon myself to follow him back and I shot him a message Hey, man, just big fan of your work and mm. the Guardians of the Galaxy franchise, cool man. Just want you to know that, you know, if you ever want to do anything, yeah. if you ever want to... Sh- my hope was that he would be, you know, so tired of doing huge Marvel blockbusters that he would want to do a music video. Right, right. If you ever feel like getting back into the arena with a small budget and yeah. you ever feel like running and gunning it, if you know what I mean, yeah. then let's do something. And he was kind of like, okay, thanks. Big fan of yours, too. I'm a little busy these days working on the Suicide Squad, but we do need a song for that if you've got anything. So that was like, uh, yeah, let me see what I got. So then that thus began like a couple months of 
ideas flowing back and forth and uh, finding the right idea at the right time for me to start, you know, getting more serious about actually having a song on this thing. And so anyways, um, mid-pandemic, I finally get to meet Sam from X Ambassadors in person for the yeah. first time. Yeah. Zen was a song that was done socially distanced. Everything from writing the song, recording the song, making the music video, all the way to it going number one on alternative radio in Canada. Yeah. We did that without ever once being in the same room at the same time. Crazy. Which was like a weird thing I can't wait to forget about. <laughs> and so I meet Sam at a party in LA and we're chatting and he's such a nice guy. His wife Tess is really cool too. And I bring that up. He was asking me, man, that is so cool that you got that opportunity. I'm really happy for you. And I go, yeah, man, it was actually James tweeting you as well. Yeah. I just happened to be the one to see it and message James. And yeah. I could just see Sam like, oh. Could have been me. <laughs> yeah, he was like, yeah. fuck. Yeah. It was a really funny moment where I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah. I mean, he tagged you, tagged me. I messaged him quicker. Yeah. <laughs> and then like two days later, I see Sam being like, at James Gunn, love your work. Uh, I like, yeah, oh, my God, <laughs> smart. Trying to get in there too. Get in where you fit in. There's more oh, room man. for all of us. The other part I loved is there's like a moment at the red carpet. This again, I found on your Instagram where you're meeting Sylvester Stallone. Yes. And you, <laughs> you tell him like, I, like some of your best acting, which is like as the shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> just this like, like shark with oh. four words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Took him a second to realize, and then he was, I think he was like, oh, a, a joke. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, he kind of laughs. Oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I was like, yeah, dude. Oh, I had a good laugh at that moment. Yeah, um, you have to, you know, have a certain element of like silliness in those. Of course. It's so yeah. surreal for somebody like to come from where we come yeah, from yeah. to be, you know, talking to. Sylvester Stallone or John Cena John or any Cena, of these people. John Cena like in person. It felt like I was meeting the president. Yeah, yeah. So uh, present yeah. and disarming and charming and he smelled good and he had <laughs> a breath mint in. It's like, wow, it's what it must be like to be a, a global Megastar. ambassador Megastar. for the world. Yeah. You know, I imagine The Rock is the same. These guys yeah. don't have a single thing out of place. They're right. just what they're supposed to be and they have you know, as uh, an assistant with them and a publicist and yeah. this and in that. The public eye 24-7. But in that moment, I, 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 we were standing kind of hovering, waiting that we might get an opportunity to meet him. And the publicist goes, uh, you know, John, this is uh, grandson and Jesse. They, they wrote the song for the movie. And yeah. as soon as he was up to speed on who we were and, and, and what we could possibly want from him, because yeah. I imagine people want a lot from him. Yeah. He was so present and sincere yeah. like you know he didn't give us a ton of his time he was quite busy he was the right. star of a movie yeah. we're on the red carpet for but in that three minutes he gave us for a photo and a conversation yeah he made you feel like the only girl in the world oh, you know <laughs> what you could Amazing. hope for yeah super That's nice awesome. guy you know i had a similar uh moment someone it just made me think of it because someone asked me about it yesterday and i totally even like when i was 16 at northern I went to a signing once and I met Dave Grohl. There you and go. now, like, biggest rock and roll star on right. the planet. And, yeah, for, like, a moment. And same thing. Dave was super present. was like, man, thank you for coming and buying the album. And, yeah, same same kind of deal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I wasn't, on, I wasn't on a red carpet for a movie premiere. but Sure. <laughs> but, you know, I think that there, for some people, they can just off of their sheer brilliance and genius transcend their their dickish behavior 
But I think that for the most part, you don't get to that echelon of right. notoriety without people rooting for you along the way. Yeah. You know, I think that so much of what divides people in life um, comes down to opportunity. Who's to say that there aren't better singers and songwriters that should be right. playing in front of Avril Lavigne tonight or whatever it is, but it's just opportunity and you hope that the people that can give you a chance when they meet you, um, they meet you and you're, you have the same principles for them as for anybody because you just don't know. I've seen so many times um, people that I met earlier in my career move on up in their respective fields and then, and then some of them come crashing back down after. You know, yeah. it's like... I've been doing this now for five, six years, and it's, uh, it's, I, I feel very, very lucky. I, I think you're it. going in the right direction. Thanks, man. <laughs> and I think when you mention all of those people that you were saying yeah. before, whether it's Mike Shinoda, Tom Morello, Kay Flay, you know, it's just good. People say don't meet your heroes, but um, it depends. It depends. It depends on your hero because I've had some really good ones. Heroes. Yeah, they've been <laughs> cool as shit. Yeah. Really, really generous. Well, let's talk a little bit about your work because I was I was a big fan of Death of the Optimist. Thank you. And it was really cool, man. And I, one thing I really dug about it, and um, I love like I love the video for Dirty, and you can tell that you're just really enjoying the process. Um, and you kind of brought on this persona, which I think is really cool. This this persona, the the guy with the suit and the slick back hair, that's right, and X's over his eyes. Tell me a little bit about coming like creating that persona for yeah. this album and that whole concept I um well it was one of the few things that when I look back on the pandemic I'm ultimately grateful for because it was in the vacuum of not being able to perform that I looked for more dramatic outlets where the opportunity to do some acting or do some dancing or whatever, they all just meant that it would be a shake-up from just sitting at my house. Right. And so I think that the restrictions that the COVID brought and also, you know, just to have time to be in one place in one time is so rare. I mean, this year I've had none of that. So to be able to sit in a city and make more ambitious concepts for what my music videos could be and what the story could be um, was something I didn't want to waste. Mm-hmm. So I sought after like an ambitious um, way to convey a lot of these themes in my music. Mm-hmm. A lot of my music is rebelling against these forces in your life, whether it is authority figures, your teachers, your pastor, your parent, um, whether it is the president or prime minister at large governing you and you know so much of my music is pushing back against that and I felt like I was getting tired of keeping that concept so vague Mm -hmm. it's us versus them and they want you to do this and you know so I wanted to put a face and a name to these different um figures that feel like they're holding me back in life and that's where this character x came from that's where the the suit came from where he was this more tight-knit figure um and it was really fun to to explore that and and over this past year bring it to life on stage Mm -hmm. in america and do the second act of my show as this other character those were all really 
cool, fun things to play around with that uh, even if you're not a musician, I hope, I hope whoever's listening to this doesn't lose that sense of play. Mm-hmm. You know, it really is liberating to be the most dramatic and bombastic version of yourself for a little bit of time every year. It just, it's very freeing. It's why yeah. people do it. It really, and it really looks like you can tell in that music video, you're just like really enjoying being that character, like playing that character. Yeah, that's so cool that it comes across. It I does, really was. It does. And like, I, like, had you ever done any acting or anything like that before? And when I was a kid, but yeah. nothing, nothing serious. And uh, it was something for a minute there that I was really pursuing and um, will be something that I that I do in the future. Yeah. Um, again, when I just have some more time to focus on it, but it was. Uh, a busy music video shoot. I think we did that all in one day. And it's just uh, a whirlwind. And I was really grateful for how that album um, helped me manage the pandemic and gave me something to wake up for every day. I know it was hard for a lot of people, and uh, myself included. So to finally be on the other side now, I mean, we still have the pandemic, but Mm. at least to be playing shows again and, and... shaking up a little bit yeah we're not quite as locked down as we were it feels amazing to be reminded that there really were people on the other side of my phone soaking it up listening Mm -hmm. absorbing it 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 was really um meant a lot to me yeah absolutely and um tell me about tell me about the latest release which is a song called cult that you put out with steve aoki yeah over over the year of 2021 I did a lot of writing um, for my second album uh, and some of that wasn't going to make the cut or uh, wouldn't fit thematically or sonically and so we had this extra kind of secret vault of songs that we weren't really sure what to do with um, and, and that included Cult so when I first um, heard through my manager that Steve was looking for some rock music to um, add his electronic uh, sensibilities to. We thought it'd be a cool one for him, and he embraced it. He told me when I met him that he was in a bunch of bands growing up okay. and uh, was a big fan of rock music. And I think there's a lot of electronic producers and DJs who mm-hmm. come from an electronic background, you know, that, that love rock music. Like Skrillex, obviously the most yeah. obvious example. He was in a hardcore band, kind of emo type band as well as um you know elenium who's making music with a canadian band they just put out a song with spirit box which is like heavy canadian band um and then yeah steve so hit me up to do the song we did it we left the second verse open for josiah who's a a rapper and alternative artist that i was a fan of and it, it was it was cool to see that all come together and uh have somebody again who i i listened to growing up and used to go to his raves in college and now I'm yeah. sitting next to him in a green room. It was cool. That is cool. So tell me, like, to, to kind of wrap things up here. You know, we spoke, the first time we spoke about kind of your story um, on, on, you know, from Northern to, you know, your record label and, or your record contract. Um, but tell me, like, from all the places, you, you've kind of moved around. So you started in Jersey, you, you know, then you grew up in Toronto, you moved to L.A., which are all, you know, Western cultures, but they all have, they're all very different in culture and unique to each other and their benefits and their issues that they have. Um, tell me how that kind of plays in, in having kind of multiple homes, like mm. how it's kind of played into your influence and your music. 
That's a great question. Yeah. I think that... Because I, I just can tell from, from who you are that the, the places that you come from are definitely influential to who you sure. are. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Being a dual citizen affords me the different perspectives. Um, you know, being, being an American, there is a certain... Um, empowerment of the self there's a a strong strong call to individuality in america that's what america was founded on there's this rebellious spirit um and an and and an encouragement to make the most of yourself that you can dream of sometimes that very concept can be manipulated and and used in quite toxic ways that pit us against one another when we're all looking out only for ourselves but there are beautiful examples of the American dream um, where immigrant families can make a life for themselves, you know, with wealth that they are able to then um, make a better life for their kids and for their kids' kids. So I think that that spirit is um, part of the insane delusional confidence that you need to pursue music full time. You can't. Uh, stand on a street corner with your guitar if you don't think you have a voice worth hearing and a dream worth pursuing. And I think that America is uh, uh, quite a nurturing place for those sorts of dreams. But so much of my empathy, my social consciousness, my collective spirit and feeling that for better or worse we are all in this together, that is Canada through and through. That is Toronto. Um, even when I look back on how these different countries handled the pandemic. No matter who you were in Canada, whether you were liberal or a conservative, or everybody was unified in their message of wearing masks, of getting vaccinated, and it helped save a lot of lives that were lost in America because we all are on the same team and we all are one country and, and, and I think that those sorts of things you can kind of hear in my music if you pay attention. You can hear how I do call for you to take agency over your life and take action to be your best self but also you do so because we only have this one planet, we only have this one life. You're bettering your own life so that you can do more for the people around you so that you can inspire the people in your community. Mm. I always encourage my fans to go out of their way to introduce themselves to somebody at the show who seems uncomfortable, to break up with the partner that's not serving them anymore if, if that relationship is holding you back. And I think that I have a lot to thank for my parents moving around a lot and um, and from touring, I get even more of that going across Europe and, you know, going to places like Russia. When I see Russia in the news and, and these wars happening and we're being indoctrinated to believe that Russia as an entity is the bad guy, not the thousands of people I've met there. No. You know, and I think that travel gives you a better sense that um, when you see these headlines, it's typically just a small concentration of powerful people in a dick measuring contest with one another but that 
most people around the world are loving and caring and scared of, about the future and all we can do is try and be there for one another because we don't have a whole lot of time here to get it right and I think that travel really helps inspire that that spirit in my music and in my brain I don't think that could have been answered any better, man. That's very well spoken, and I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I see we're we're getting we're getting cued to wrap up here. So uh, the last moment, I just want to say thank you, uh, grandson, again for taking some time out of your busy schedule to to do this again and and uh, hang out with a, a fellow uh, Toronto kid. That's right, dude. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'll see you for round three. Uh, hopefully, hope so, hopefully, hopefully it won't take three years. Three years, man. I certainly hope so. See you uh, 2023 for album two. Let's go. I hope so, man. Is that what we're looking at? I don't know. I I think we're (laughs) out of time. The Adamantium. Thank you for tuning in to the Adamantium Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd absolutely love for you to subscribe to us on whichever platform you listen to your podcasts. I'd also love to see you on social media. You can follow on Instagram at The Adamantium, on Facebook at The Adamantium Podcast, and on Twitter at Adam R. Harrison. Thank you again so much for listening.